Hello, welcome to Kamari's Place. I hope you're having a wonderful day, evening, night, or whatever time you're listening to this podcast. Come on in, make yourself comfortable, and let's have a chat about how conversations can change lives. Hi, how are you? How was your day? Did you have a good day? Did you? I feel like that was so inauthentic, <laughs> and I apologize. I do, I do, I do. It it did feel, it did feel very much like I didn't care about your day, but I do, I do, I do. Like I swear, when I asked that question, I meant for it to come off genuine. Um, it's just that it just didn't translate somehow. But I do. I'm genuinely like interested. I hope that your day was good. You know what I mean? Like I, <laughs> I say it every day because I hope that I hope that that's the case. But, anyways, nonetheless, today, as you heard in the intro, we are going to be talking about basically a quick little reflection on a leadership conference that I went to on Friday. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the keynote speaker. We're going to talk about my thoughts about what he said. You're going to we're going to ah, we're going to get into it. But before we get into it, let me take a sip of this cranberry juice that I'm sipping on. Pardon me. Pardon me. I'm going to be sipping all throughout the Como City say if I get a chance. You know what? I have to tell you, I'm not actually a fan of cranberry juice. Like, I've never been a fan in the past, but I was thirsty for something other than water. And my mom loves cranberry juice, so I went into the fridge and I poured a small little taster. And what I have to say is that it's very decadent and it's very rich. And drinking this cranberry juice today... It is reminding me of what I would imagine drinking wine would be like because you can't just like gulp, gulp, gulp. You really have to savor it, take it by sip by sip. And every sip you get a different note, a different texture, a different underlying taste with it. I would imagine that, and you know, this is in the same family as wine. It's just without the alcohol because it hasn't fermented long enough. That's what I'm assuming. Um, so it's in the same family. That's what I imagine it would be like. So I feel kind of like a Kijanu D, um, a, a wine, a, a vineyard connoisseur. Like that's what I feel like when I'm sipping slowly, slowly on the wine. So, um, excuse me if you hear me. And yo, and you're here because it really makes like your it makes your mouth salivate. But anyways, let's get back on topic. Let's talk about what are we gonna talk about today? So, as I said before, Friday I went to this leadership conference at my school, and it was entitled the Leadership Launch, and it was the first ever leadership comp. Um, conference of this type um, in the history. So I got to attend the first leadership launch, which was really cool. Basically, the agenda was set and I have my little, um, my name card that they gave us, like they gave us like a little name tag to put around your, um, to put around your neck. And so it says on the front, like Kamari Gowen, and then it says my different titles. So it says peer mentor and then SGA um, vice president. 
and then on the back which is so handy they put the agenda down so the first thing was check in the second thing was like the introduction then after that we listened to the keynote speaker we had a break we went to one breakout session had another break went to another breakout session had a break came back for lunch we listened to a presentation while eating lunch then after that we had some networking opportunities to kind of like just team build with different people that attended the um the leadership como se dice and then afterwards if you were a part of an organization already um they allowed us to take that time towards the end to basically do some fall planning on what did we want to accomplish and fall within that organization so that is the the agenda of what happened Today, I'm going to be mainly focusing on the keynote speaker because he was really giving a lot of food for thought. Like I was eating up on his food for my thoughts. Like it was a really great um, presentation, I thought. I thought that um, he was great at speaking. It was very engaging. I listened the whole time. And so that's saying something. So let me kind of just give you a brief introduction of the keynote speaker. His name was Odell Bazell. And he's basically a speaker. He's sp- spoken, I guess is the word, across the country with so many different people and so many different, you know, um, areas, disciplines, whatever you want to call it. He's met, you know, celebrities or influencers and other people, spoken at colleges, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. He even starts off the presentation. He's like, how many of y'all have heard of me? Nobody raised their hand. He was like, all right, all right. <laughs> That's fine. I like to do that every single time. And so um, he shows us this video and it basically explains everything that I just told you. So um, he tells us that the title of his presentation is going to be about the talk and the whole entire speech was centered around how conversations um are the only way to to achieving equity inclusion and diversity and hold on because my mom is texting me so she didn't say please come here so i'm gonna come back y'all hold that thought it's gonna be a millisecond for y'all about a couple minutes for me Okay, so yeah, basically he was talking about how conversations are some of the best ways to really effectively get inclusion, diversity, and equity, all that kind of stuff. But before we get into all of the different notes, because basically I'm going to just do um, talk about the notes instead of taking you through the presentation that I, you know, witnessed. Um, But before we get into this, I just had to get this off my chest. So this guy is really cool because he's met a lot of people in his life like for one of the um people that he met and this was a part of his story and i'll get into it he met jerry from ben and jerry's or say for instance in high school i think he's from north carolina or something like that and he played on a basketball team and he thought he was gonna make it to the nba he really thought da 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 and that's that was his first realization of the fact that life isn't fair um because one time his team made it to the playoffs or something like that and the team that they were going against LeBron James in high school he was a freshman at the time he was on that team and everybody was looking at him and he's like I was playing against a grown man and that's when I realized that life wasn't fair because what is this man sitting here looking this built 
um complicity say etc 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 and so that was just super cool to be like you played against LeBron James in high school and you realize that hmm, I'm probably not gonna make it to the NBA if I'm playing against somebody like him um so that was cool and I just had to get that off my chest because I met somebody that met somebody that met <laughs> that met LeBron James um so yeah so back to conversation, the importance of conversation. The first thing that I wrote down from his speech that resonated with me was that he said that lives only change through conversation. And I really like that. I like that. Now, I would probably edit it to lives can change through conversation because there are many ways that lives can be changed and impacted. Um, but I do agree that conversations are probably one of the most um, influential ways that lives can be changed is through conversation. You know what I mean? So I began to like write down what life conversations have you had that are you that have been life changing. And that's something that I will extend to you. What conversations have you had in life that have really caused you to be like, whoa, the world is different. I see the world differently. My life has been changed. I have really been impacted by this. And I'm going to even take it up a step farther, further of asking you, it can be either a negative experience that changed your life negatively, or it could be something that changed your life positively and influenced you, impacted you positively. Think about that. Really ponder on that. Because I think that that's a cool concept to think about because... Even when I think about in my life, just off the top of my head, I've had so many life-changing conversations. Just yesterday, just yesterday, I had probably one of the most, one of the most influential conversations of my life with my best friend. And it started between my trio group. Um, it started when my friend Jasmine called me and then we got on a group phone call with Hannah and we began to talk about just our experiences as black young women, our experiences with learning to embrace our hair, learning how to exude confidence, learning the difference between confidence and comfort, da-da-da-da-da-da, right? Then Jasmine had to go to work and me and Hannah were on the topic. So we kind of continued to explore that. And through our conversation, we realized, whoa, we've been more impacted than we ever thought that we were, whoa. This was something that was hidden deep inside of me that I never knew that was there. Whoa, I need a lot of healing in this area because I really am traumatized by this. Whoa, my life. Whoa, like there is so many different things, so many different layers. And I, it was crazy how just through our conversation, it was so therapeutic because it helped us to kind of get to the root of our actions the root of our impulses the root of what we do and why we do it like it through that conversation it really helped things to become more clearer because if you guys have been listening to the podcast in real time the last two podcasts that I've had I've been telling you guys how I've been so emotional and how I've been so sentimental da -da 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 -da. and through that conversation it it was revealed to me, whoa, that's why. So that's just so cool. That was just one out of the many life-changing conversations that I've had. I think that 
people that I've had life-changing conversations that I can attribute to 100% Hannah. That's just the first person off the top of my head. Um, And then there's like a couple... And I kind of want to do some reflecting so I can think about what are those pivotal conversations that I remember and I'll never forget. But I know for sure, Hannah, right out the bat, you know, and obviously my parents, but I can't think of any of those big conversations now. But I will share that in another podcast because that's going to be a cool one. So that was the first thing that he said that I was like, this is good. Lives only change or in my words, lives can change through conversation. So then he went on to ask us, what do you want to be? Or he said, do you want to be an activist? And so I wrote down, do I want to be an activist? Um, and me and Hannah already kind of talked about this and we went through it and we realized that if we're talking about activists in the traditional sense, no. I don't want to be on the front lines. That's not something that I've been graced, nor have I been called to. I don't want to be a warrior on the front lines. But if you ask me if I want to be an activist in my own right, the the activist that I know I can be as Kamari, yes. 100% yes. But on my own front, doing it how it suits me, impacting the world that way. The next question that he asked was, how will I help make the world better? And again, I want to extend these questions to you. Like I want to extend this to you to spark your own, you know, inward reflection. But I'm just going to be sharing mine. Um, how will I help make the world better? I put that I will make the world better by sharing wisdom and knowledge. Because you guys know that that's something that I feel that is kind of like it captures the essence of Kamari, Kamari going, share of wisdom and knowledge. Um, and then I put also that I will help make the world a better place through the P affirmations, peace, positivity, productivity, prosperity, and a God said perspective that encompasses everything. Um, and Hannah, when we were talking about it, we added prayer and I was like, you know what? You're right. That's kind of like an implied thing, but it should be explicitly stated as well. Prayer, purpose, peace, positivity, productivity, prosperity, and a God-set perspective. Excuse me. The next question was, how do I have better conversations to help someone succeed? And I put to humble yourself first and foremost. Being humble is probably one of the first ingredients that you need to have a better conversation and to help someone else succeed. The next thing after humility is to really seek to understand and to listen. Listen and listen with the intent to understand, not with the intent to be understood as Hannah always shares with me. Those are three of the most biggest keys to having a better conversation. I'm not even going to go into that because you guys are bright individuals and you guys can go down that that whole yourselves but just know that humility listening listening to understand okay let's move into the next things that he was talking about so basically he was talking about you know equity inclusion diversity all of these different things and he's telling us about how 
conversations are one of the ways to get to that. And then he was telling us about how he believes the biggest mistakes that diversity trainings make is that they expect people to walk out of the training and all of a sudden be completely changed human beings with completely changed ideologies and ways of thinking and to be completely deconditioned from the many years of the conditioning that they went through and so they expect after you go to a diversity you know what i am a say social justice warrior now i thought this previously about black people but not anymore i used to think this about a white person but not anymore that's what people think And that's just not true. And so that's what he was diving into. He also talked about so many different other points. But in this little section that he was talking about, I wrote some things down that I absolutely loved because it basically sums up my heart posture lately and the way that I have been striving to approach things. So he said, whenever an opinion is not immediately dangerous, be curious first and then outraged. I'll repeat that. Whenever an opinion that somebody has, if somebody says something out of pocket, they say something that doesn't align with your views and your values and your beliefs, whenever they say something that is completely opposite and it just juxtaposes everything about you, whenever whatever that is, is not immediately dangerous, it's not a current threat to your life at this very moment or to somebody else's life, The first reaction should be to be curious first and then to be outraged. I like that because prime example, and I told you, I shared this with you guys the other day, so I'm going to run through it really fast. I was in the YouTube comments of under one of these videos that under a channel that I frequently watch, which is basically a channel dedicated to black women and showcasing black women in television being loved basically so on and so forth highlighting black women um being love interests so I'm in the comments and I see this person say and it's like Barry and Iris and you know a lot of the times um Iris is now a black woman in a lot of the remakes of the flash so somebody says um here goes another redhead race being switched out for a black American or an African-American and at first when I heard that that sounded out of pocket to me. It sounded like it was giving very much racist. To me, first glance, it was giving you're enraged at the fact that black people have the opportunity to be represented on your screen and you just hate to see it. You're outraged at the fact that we're <laughs> having equality and equity and diversity and inclusion you're you're outraged that was my immediate thought process and I kind of like laughed out loud like oh you're just another one of these people that they just don't seem to get how important this is now even though that was my first thought process that was not my first reaction my first reaction expressed to him was to be curious because I thought about what he said and I was like hmm he was talking about the redhead race being switched out and when I began to think about it I was meditating on it and I'm like he has some validity there because I began to think about the various different um readaptations of namely specifically in comics a lot of characters that used to be 
um, red haired are now black people and I'm like you have some validity and so I began to present that to him and I was like you know what and I shared exactly what I told you guys I was like at first I thought xyz but I'm seeing that you kind of have some you know validity I can see where you're coming from you know I'm interested to know what's your take on it what are your experiences xyz you know and then I gave them the opportunity to explain further where he was coming from so that I can judge correctly whether or not I want to be outraged or whether or not I'm just going to say agree to disagree because you're not directly como se dice bringing danger upon me now you're at your house I'm in my house reading these comments and from there I had the opportunity to be introduced to another perspective that I can now add to my own perspective so that when I approach situations I have another added layer of truth which makes it more valid whenever I'm talking about what I'm talking about now at the end of the day I love I disagree with him because I love that out that como city say Iris is a black woman he doesn't like it and that's okay I know where he's coming from now. I can see why he doesn't like it because it feels as though it seems like red-haired people are being targeted, especially in comics. And time and time again, you see these characters being switched out for someone who is black. And it may suck, especially if you're red-haired and you want to see yourself represented. I can understand that. And I want them to be represented. You know what I mean? So that is a key prime example of whenever an opinion is not immediately dangerous. Be curious first and then be outraged. Because it very well be, be right to be outraged. But it's, it can be beneficial to be inquisitive first. To know if your outrage is justified or not. Then the next thing that he said that goes a kind of along the lines with this is that he said, be passionately curious instead of passionately critical. Again, our first instinct when we see something, when we hear something, when we see something that's not us, it's like, oh, our first instinct is to be critical about it, to break it down, to, you know, como se dice, basically try to denigrate everything about it. But I, I think that it can be, I like what he said, because it can be beneficial to be curious first and try to understand why first. Why did you say it? Where are you coming from? Are you really coming from a deep-rooted racist place? Or are you coming from an ignorant place? Both are ignorant, but the the roots of them are a little bit different, a little bit differentiated. Be curious, and then you can accurately criticize, accurately be outraged. And then he shared this story about how he was um at an event and he was speaking and he was talking about his experience of his father having to give him the talk as being a black male in America and how basically when he first got his license his dad gave him the talk of like okay but what happens if you get pulled over and then he his dad had him pull all the way over to the side of the road to do a whole role play of what he would do if he were to get pulled over and his dad gave him pointers and he was like you need to be very careful and very um cautious when you're in certain situations like this because of the climate right and some people black people were like in the audience they were like I didn't have that same experience that's I didn't have the same experience like what is this and Odell was saying how his response was I wonder how why that is I wonder why that is. Oh, word. Okay. 
I wonder why that is. You know what I mean? Passionately curious instead of passionately critical and being like, well, you're an idiot since you don't want to see what my lived experiences are. Or, well, you must be just so slow and lost and you're in denial or you're delusional X, Y, Z because you can't see that this is a real thing that is happening in America. X, Y, Z, X, Y, Z, so on and so forth. Instead of being passionately critical first, I wonder why that is. Where are you coming from? Because As Hannah was telling me when we were having this conversation, she was like, it depends on where you live at. You know what I mean? Um, It depends on the city that you live in, the state that you live in, the area, if it's highly policed and trafficked or paroled and whatnot. You know what I mean? That That would increase your chances of being pulled over and being profiled while being pulled over. So while there is a good chance In some areas, some people are fortunate enough not to have to deal with that in that light. You know what I mean? So passionately curious instead of passionately critical. We're almost done. Bear with me. Then he shared with us about how he had a podcast in 2013 and his co-host was one of his work friends. And he was telling us about how the co-worker we've seen him so he's a black man Odell is a black man um he tends to be very this is another thing that I really love that he said and this resonated with me the concept of being politically apathetic and I think that that totally describes my standpoint on politics I actually don't let nobody (laughs) don't let nobody hear me say this I hate politics I do. I literally hate it. And I know that's so ill-fitting, especially because I am the vice president of SGA. But as an overarching thing, I do not like politics because for me, in my view, it is the literal definition of divide, especially in America. And I hate the way that it it. I hate the way that it dictates the way that we act towards one another. And I hate how it, I don't know how to explain it right now, but I don't like the effect that it has on us. And a lot of the times the effect has no merit. You know what I mean? But on an overarching level, I think that the idea of being politically apathetic really describes me because I don't actually care but you know what I've been noticing lately is that I've been finding myself getting swept up in the woo the woo woo of it all you know what I mean and I find myself kind of like getting como se dice getting hype over something that I personally never cared about It's just because I'm in an environment where everybody else cares about it so much. So now I'm fighting for a side that I'm like, I could really care less at this point. You know what I mean? And I say that very, very lightly because there's obviously issues that I care about. There's obviously issues that I, you know, would like to tackle X, Y, Z. You know what I mean? It's not that I'm like, oh, I'm just, you know, in the middle and I don't care. But it's like, I'm, I don't, I'm not repping for left and I'm not repping for right. Like the rest of these people be making it their whole entire personality trait as if it's just the holy grail and it's not. Um, And so that's what I mean when I say politically apathetic. I could care less because I could care less about both sides because I understand the tactic and the the como se dice the purpose of both sides there are there are no sides um 
So yeah, I have to be very careful about that, that I don't get myself, you know, swept up in it. Now, if that was just something that naturally occurred within me, that was a natural development in my own personal personal growth, I would be okay with that because I'm allowed to change my opinion. But I recognize that that was not something that happened on my own fruition. That was an influence and I didn't like that that was an influence because I actually don't care. Back to the <laughs> to the topic at hand. He was telling us about how he's politically apathetic. He's a black man. Da 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 da. You know he has his own set beliefs, and then the other guy is just the total opposite of him. So he's a white man. He's really heavy on that conservative stuff. Like he's he really about it. You know, very very you know just the opposite, right? And Odell asked his co-host. He says, "Why do you think that?" White people don't care about BLM. And his co-host, he looks to the right, he looks to the left. It's a little bit silent for a little bit. He looks back to Odell and he said, because we're not black. And at first, Odell wanted to be like passionately critical, but like you, he couldn't because he's like, you know what? You're right. I can see why. Y'all not going as hard as we going about this matter because y'all not black. So y'all really can't get it. And that's understandable. And he began to make draw this connection between like he loves his wife and his children. He has a wife and three kids. He loves them with all his heart. So it would make sense for him to go heavy for his family and care more about them than anybody else in the room that he was speaking to. Rightfully so, because that is his family. He identifies with them. He has experiences with them. He knows what it's like to be with them and live with them and knows what that is like. He naturally that just that garners more empathy because of the proximity and because of the closeness and the frequency and the exposure around them. Right now, when I was talking to Hannah, she made up this she made this great point of like just because that's his family it doesn't mean that we shouldn't care about his family and that we wouldn't wish them the best and treat them with respect if we saw the little kids and his wife just because they're not our family like we would treat them like complete trash and if they're on the side of the street she didn't say this but I'm extending the um her point if they were sitting on the side of the street and they were hurt like we wouldn't try to help it just means that we probably wouldn't be going to the fullest extent as he would But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't care about their well-being because they're still human beings. And so I like that she brought that point. Like, yeah, white people and other people of other races may not be going as hard on the front lines about certain issues that have to do with black people because they're not black. And so for some things, you really just can't understand. You can empathize, but you just can't understand. But that doesn't mean that you can't be an ally, that you can't help, that you can't support from the background, wherever you want to support. It doesn't mean that you can't do that, that you can't care because you're still human beings and vice versa. Just because I'm not Latino, just because I'm not Asian doesn't mean that I shouldn't care about what's going on in their communities, indigenous people, so on and so forth. It just means that I'm probably not going to be as more apt to go to the fullest of lengths because first of all, I don't know enough to go to the fullest of lengths. But let me tell you something like this. If there happens to be a way that I can help, I'm going to help. If there happens to be a way that I can support and be an ally, I'm going to be an ally. If there's a way that I can amplify their voices and support them as they go to the length that they need to go, 
for their people, I'm going to be there. You know what I mean? So yeah, I like that he said that. I like that they had that conversation. Because you're not black. I get it. Doesn't mean that you shouldn't care at all. I just understand if you weren't like fully going to the Capitol. You know what I mean? (sighs) And another thing that I wanted to point out is that that came from me and Hannah's conversation that I think I want to agree with is um, the fact of like social movements and just being a good person in general and seeking justice in general, I think are two different things. You know what I mean? You can uh, support a social movement and be a good person and really care for it. But I don't think those are mutually exclusive things. It just kind of naturally tends to happen that way. But um, y'all think on that. I didn't even in, I didn't even really like explain it how it should have been because I didn't want to go there. Um, but yeah, I feel like I've been talking for a long time. I'm sorry. This is good stuff. So let's keep on going. We're almost done. So then he told us about how like, okay, we have all of these things. We have the realization that life isn't fair. We have the realization that this is just the way that the world is set. The world is not fair. Okay, what do we do with that? We have the realization that we as human beings are naturally selfish. We naturally care more about our people or about ourselves than anybody else. That's just something that kind of comes with it. He was telling us about how we're all tuned in to the What's In It For Me radio station. Some of us turn it all the way up. Some of us turn it down so that we can try to help other people when it comes to it. But for the most part, as a default setting, it is. That's just human nature. You're going to be What's In It For You first. So he's saying, with all of these realizations, how do we do diversity and equity and inclusion? How do we get to that in our organizations? He was telling us about how you have to connect what they want to what the organization wants. You have to connect diversity, equity, and inclusion to the person's success because we're all selfish. So you're successful and we're going to all be successful in diversity, equity, and inclusion. Here's how you have a part to play in it. This is your piece of the pie and this is how it'll benefit you if you come into you know, join the cause, basically. Um, this is probably one of my favorite things that he said. The system doesn't care about you or your emotions. It just cares about continuing. And this is a perfect explanation to my whole tangent about politically apathetic. Because that explains political parties in general. It explains big business, small business, government, everything in between. Systems do not care about you as an individual. They do not care about your emotions. They don't care about how you feel. They don't care about your well-being. All they do is care about continuing to go on. So if that just so happens to mean that they will pander to your needs, if it just so happens to mean that they're a pander to your beliefs, if it just so happens to mean that they will have some of your interests involved because that If it happens to mean that, just know that it just only means that that's happening by coincidence of the fact that that's going to help the system continue to go. And I think that that's where a lot of people get blinded. They really, truly, solely in their heart believe that the left really cares about them as an individual. They truly, solely believe that the right really cares about them they want them to succeed no baby 
<laughs> they really think that these big businesses, Amazon, Disney, whoever else you want to call it, however you want to, all these companies, they really think that they care about you. No, they care about a dollar, honey. A dollar make you holler. That's what they care about. They don't care about you. Now, if they have to care about you to get that dollar, yeah, then they care about you. But for the dollar, know that and never forget it. For the dollar, okay? For the power, for the dollar. Mm-hmm. So that just totally explains why I tend to be politically apathetic. Because I understand that the system is not made solely for Kamari's interest at, at heart. It can a lot of the times it can help a lot of my interests. It can meet my needs. It can match with my belief systems. But I have to understand that it's only doing that because its sole job is to continue going. And if it needs my support, it's going to do what it needs to get my support so that it can go. If it didn't need my support, it would go anyways. That's what I want everybody to understand. Um... So th- th- we're going to leave that alone because I can go on and on and on and on. On and on and on and on about this word. Anyways, but I'm not. The last... <laughs> this last thing that he said was so funny. And it's not funny in a comical way, but it is funny in a comical way. So he goes on to talk about um how... Basically, by 2034, most white people will not identify as white. And he was talking about the census is is basically concluding that there's less and less white people. And by 2034, there will be white people will be the minority. And so he was like, he was like, that's an indicator that we're moving on the right direction. And I said, I said, <laughs> I said, not him advocating for white erasure. Like, I don't think that he really understood. Like, I don't think he was thinking when he exactly said that. Like, I can get where he was going. Like, trust me, I understand what he was saying. Like, that means that there is more inclusion and more mixing, I guess. But at the same time, his comment was a little bit like, it was a little bit tone deaf, I think is the word that I'm looking for. And I'm like, that's extinction of the white race. Is that? Is that what you want? Is that what you want? Because he's like, yeah, that's the, the that's the indicator that we're moving in the right direction, you know. And I'm like, the extinction of white people is moving in the right direction. I I, I don't I don't <laughs> okay, um, yeah, yeah. So that made me chuckle so bad because I just know that a lot of like the Como City say white supremacists out there, if the white supremacist babies was in the room, they probably was cringing at their skin at that point. They was about to, about ready to go off at that point when that man had said, we moving in the right direction. I said, not white. <laughs> not white extinction. Right extinction. Um, but I get what he was saying. So, that was funny. That's kind of like basically the end. Alrighty. So that's all I wanted to share with you about this conversation or about this presentation that I attended with the leadership launch. Overall, it was a very um, enjoyable experience. I was so happy that I had the opportunity to go because I learned so much from that from that conference. Like I had the opportunity to meet a couple of new people. I had the opportunity to learn a lot of valuable information that will help me in the future. And so uh overall 10 out of 10 
honestly recommend. And with that, I hope that you have a wonderful rest of your day. As always, my friends, peace and positivity, productivity, prosperity, and a God-sent perspective to you and everyone you know. And until next time, bye!